all the time. Give him another hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. We are studying on Wednesday nights out of the book of James. And uh, it's been uh, really a good uh, study up to this time. And the Lord willing, we will be here Wednesday night. Taking that just a uh, a little bit bit farther, Hallelujah, Amen. Praise the Lord. We are going to um, get right into the Word tonight. I'm thankful. Um, I really felt the anointing of the Lord this morning as we ministered and. I was so excited. It was the first time in a long time that I was able to really feel liberty to preach without having to hold back any for coughing or anything like that. Next Sunday, um, I didn't mention this a while ago, is Mother's Day. And um, so we're going to be uh, honoring our mothers and... Um, We'll have some special things for them, as we always do on Mother's Day. So um, let's um, come out to the house of God and just have a great time serving the Lord. There won't be a Sunday night service next week because um, it is being a holiday. We want, um, if you are still blessed where you got your mother with you, then you need, if you any way possible, spend some time with her. Uh, and uh, so we want to make sure people have enough time for that so there won't be a service next Sunday night. Um, we're going to be going to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 um, for our opening text this evening. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. And this is what it reads like. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. I was talking to Brother Kyle before service, and I said I needed to start being like some of them guys on TV about sending the money. So we <laughs> this had nothing to do with our conversation before service, brother. This was already planned. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give. As he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's pray. Fathers, we come, Lord, tonight. We thank you and we praise you for having a privilege one more time to sit at your feet and listen, Lord, from the Word of God. I'm asking God for your touch through your anointing tonight. And you'll um, 
touch the ears of the people. Help us all to be not only hearers, but doers of the word. And everything's accomplished. We'll give you the praise. Let the church say, Amen. And you can be seated. Now, with what I read as an opening text, when I tell you the title of my message, you're going to say, he's got something crossed up here. But I'm going to speak to you for a few minutes tonight on a subject titled, Three Things I Will Never Give. Three things I will never give. Wow. Scripture we read talked about sowing, reaping, and let each one give as a purpose in their heart. But I am not going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to talk about there are some things that I'm, I will never give. And there should be some things in your life as well that you can say I will never give. I think we all know well that God is a giver. We all understand that. And by the way, hello to all of you who's at home and decided to stay out of the rain. We will be sending an offering card for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, amen. We'll get, some, we'll get some feedback on that one, I promise you. Hallelujah. Um, we all know that God's a giver. And if we are his people, then we too have the capacity within us to give. I found out that if you love God, you want to give. Even during the times that you might not have it, you might not be able to, but there's still a desire in your heart. Amen. Uh, I believe we get that from the Lord. The scripture text we have chosen for this evening is the regulation forgiven under the New Testament example. Paul told the church in Corinth, that if they sowed sparingly, they would reap the same. And he further went on to say that their giving should not be under obligation, but of a cheerful heart. When you do give, if you want to receive full blessing from it, you should never give because you feel obligated. You should never give because, well, if I don't give, the pastor is going to preach on me. But you know, um, a church is 70 years old, and I've been pastor since 1991, and uh, there's one thing I've never done. I've never went to the office and gone through the books to see who gives what. I don't, I don't care to know that. What you give or what you don't give is between you and God. Amen. Uh well, there, if you do give, there's certain conditions you ought to follow if you want to be blessed by giving. 
One of them being that you don't give simply because you feel obligated. Because God loves a cheerful heart in giving. Amen? But I stand on record tonight. <coughs> and just bear with me for a minute, if you will, please. I stand on record tonight to say that although we should give because God has placed it in our nature as Christians to do so, I stand on record so Satan can hear this. There are three things I will never give. And I want the enemy to know this. There are three things that I will never give. And that's what I want to talk about one at a time tonight. Number one, I will never give up. Hallelujah. I will never give up. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 38 through 39. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe Notice how this is written, to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. Amen. This scripture alone, if there was nothing else in the Bible, this scripture alone tears down once saved, always saved. Hallelujah. Not only do you have to believe here and now and serve God here and now, you can't draw back. You can't turn around. You can't give up. Because actually, we say we're saved, but the Bible says, He that endureth to the end, the same shall what? Be saved. And so he says right here, We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Oh, hallelujah to God. Amen. I stand on notice tonight to let the devil know, amen, there's no quitting in me. There's no giving up in me. I started this way a long time ago. As the song says, I've been running for Jesus a long, long time, and I ain't tired yet. Oh, glory to God. Amen. I didn't start this thing to stop. I ain't going to be like a kid who gets mad and takes his toys and says, I'm going home. I've seen some church people get upset, take their toys and say, I'm going home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. But I hope there's some other people tonight who can stand with me in this and say that I will never give up. I will never quit. Hallelujah. Amen. I started this race to finish it. Let me tell you something, church. Anything in life worthwhile and that carries a huge benefit or reward usually comes with a price and a struggle. Hallelujah. Anything in life worthwhile and something that has a huge benefit or huge reward 
usually comes with a price and a struggle. The perks you get are incentives, which causes you to strive and push on even through difficult times and circumstances. You see, I started out to make heaven my home. And if I give up just because I'm attacked by the devil or man, sometimes they're one and the same. Hallelujah. <laughs> if, I, if I give up, then I lose sight of what my goal was in the beginning. Amen. And there's always a price to be paid. But church, there's no greater incentive to strive and push on than to look at heaven and say, I want to one day make heaven my home. I want to have that glorified body. I want to have the body where there's no sickness, no suffering, no more pain. If that don't want to make you push on and not give up, what else does God have to do? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. God gives us a lot of incentives to keep going. He's already given us many things to help us keep going. Before I work, I drive, as everybody knows, a school bus for Metro Schools. And uh, there's always been, since I've been working, and I'm getting uh, there, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting mighty close now to the 20-year mark. Since I've been working there, um, there's always been a high rate of absenteeism. And um, um, when, when that occurs, it makes it um, harder on the drivers that are there um, and to get the children to school on time. So... To help curve this situation, they came up with a um, attendance bonus. And uh, once every quarter, every employee that don't miss no time off, take no time off, gets a $300 bonus on their paycheck. And uh, that's every quarter, so... You stop and think about that, how much extra money you can make in a year's time if you're always there. Amen. That's a pretty good incentive to make folks want to get up, even when you know you got to get up at 3.30. There have been some times that that alarm went off where I looked at that clock, and I said, man, it's still dark outside. I'd just love to lay here. This bed feels mighty good. But I know in a few weeks' time that my wallet will feel a whole lot better if I get up and I go on anyway. Amen. God has offered us incentives also to never give up, to keep fighting, to keep struggling. Because as a song, an old song they used to sing, and matter of fact, Sister Darlene used to sing this song a lot, Heaven will surely be worth it all, worth all the troubles that here befall, hallelujah. After this life, with all this strife, 
heaven will surely be worth it all. If you believe that tonight, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Mighty Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So, in the natural realm, there is incentives. The same is true in the kingdom of God. There's a price to be paid and battle to be fought and a goal to achieve. But as you have heard before, hallelujah, it's a fixed fight. Glory to God. You're going to have some battles. You're going to have some fights. But it's a fixed fight. And the reason why I say that is you can't lose with God. Come on, somebody. You can't lose with God as long as Look at somebody and tell them as long as you never give up. If you give up, then there's nothing even God can do about that situation. God's not concerned with how many times you fall. He's concerned with how many times you're willing to get back up, dust yourself off, and keep going. 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 24 and 26, let's read that. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Hallelujah. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. <coughs> Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight. Come on now. Talking about white fighting while I go. Not as one who beats the air. I was reading a, a, a modern translation of that one time. And this is what Paul said according to that translation. I, 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 I box, but I don't shatter box. I'm not, I'm not fighting against my shadow. I'm fighting, but I'm not one who beats the air. There's a purpose there. there uh, there's an enemy to defeat. And I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep fighting. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep pushing on because God has offered me all these incentives. Hallelujah. Amen. Heaven with streets of gold. No more sickness, no more suffering, no more pain. And the greatest thing of all is to be with Jesus throughout all eternity. So, devil, I will never give up. And if you can get that in your mind, give him a praise. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. The second thing that I will never give is I will never give in. I will never give in. First, we talked about never giving up. Number two, I'm telling the devil that I will never give in. What in the world could I be talking about here? Let's go to 1 John the fifth chapter, and let's read verses 3 through 5. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. 
Hallelujah. Do you know, before I go on, let me just interject something right here. You know one way you can tell whether or not somebody is preaching to you about the commandments of God or they're preaching to you about commandments of man, something man has come up with, something that man has hatched up, some kind of man-made rules? God's commandments are not grievous to follow. Hallelujah. There's been some guys come up with some stuff, amen, that's very hard to follow. If you, don't, if you don't believe that, go back and read about old Jim Jones again. Amen. And what he commanded his followers to do. Glory to God. I mean, Lord of mercy. How in the world did that man get 969 people, men, women, boys, and girls, to go over, the, over there, leave America, follow him, and uh, talk him into all drinking Kool-Aid? that um, Kool-Aid was going to take them out. God's commandments are not grievous, folks. God's commandments are not grievous. All right, let's go on. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. You see, when I say I will never give in, Satan is constantly attempting to lure the child of God away from the will of God through enticements, enticements and distractions of the world. Hallelujah. He's constantly trying to entice you, amen, uh, through different kinds of um, enticements and distractions of the world. But I have declared to the devil that no matter what he offers me, I will never give in to the subtle charms and the tricky ways which he has to catch us in a snare. Hallelujah. I'm going to be like Jesus in the wilderness when the devil tempted him. Look at what all the devil tried to offer the Lord. Things from the world. And we've got to do the same thing. Where would we be today if Jesus had given in to the devil during those 40 days in the wilderness? Think about that for a moment. Hallelujah. The devil is going to be constantly after you trying to entice you, trying to get you away from the will of God. And let me tell you right now, there's a lot of things that will come your way that the devil will try to entice you with to make you think, hey, God's blessing me through this. I've been offered this great job. That's a blessing from God for me to get this job. Is it really? Or is it a trick from the devil to keep you out of church? To keep you from serving God? Folks, we got to realize that money is not everything in this life. Hallelujah. It's not everything. And everything that appears to be good on the outside is not a blessing from God. It's a deception and a trick 
from the devil to try to catch you in a snare. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. My, my. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, and there's that word snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Hallelujah. Glory to God. These are just some of the few things that the devil will use to entice somebody. Hallelujah. To get somebody away from the will of God. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's easier to offer what the devil, I mean to accept what the devil's offering than stick with God and learn how to walk by faith and trust God to take care of you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But I'm here to tell the devil, <coughs> I'm never going to give in to his tricks. If you remember how Satan, as I said, tempted Jesus while he was in the wilderness, overcoming the world is never given in to the same system and purpose and desire the world has. I'm going to tell you something. The world does not think like people in the church thinks. The attitude is different. Amen. The purpose is different. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. We can't get caught up in thinking like the world thinks. We walk by, and we read the scripture a while ago, we walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. I mean, think about what Jesus is offering. And here's the devil. I just had I just had a vision. <laughs> oh Lord. I just I just saw in my mind that old guy on that commercial standing there in that crazy looking hat and those waiters with that with that dollar bill. Hallelujah. Jerking it back. Oh, you gotta be faster than that. You almost had it. Hallelujah. How many times has the devil dangled something in front of you the same way? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And I guarantee you that old devil's just about as silly looking as that guy and those waiters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's there, and it amazes me how many church people will be like that woman. Keep trying to grab. Come on, somebody. Keep trying to get it. Hallelujah. Amen. Whatever course the world is traveling, and listen to me, which, no matter what, what you're talking about, whichever way the world's going, the child of God should be doing a 180 on opposite. Hallelujah. If you're thinking like the world thinks in every situation, then you need to get a little closer to God. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That if any man loves the world, the love of what? Of the Father is not in him. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, the world does not know what faith is. They don't walk by faith whatsoever. 
Hallelujah. But you know what? What we was talking about a while ago, and Brother Kyle was talking about a while ago, praying for different things. <coughs> that is such a blessing when you're in a need and you know that you don't have the means to take care of that yourself. And you pray and you trust God and God opens that door and makes a way for you to think that God loves you enough to intervene for you. To me, that feels better than I'd feel if I had a million dollars in the bank account. Hallelujah. God cares for you. And guess what? The Bible says no good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. So if you're trying to get a new position, get one thing or the other, and you're praying, and you say, well, that fell through. I don't understand that. That looked so good. God knew a whole lot more about it than what you did. God was able to see a lot farther down the road than you're able to see. Because the Bible's already said, if it's good for you, God ain't going to withhold it from you. Hallelujah. If there's going to be a true blessing to you, God won't keep it from you. If God says no, he has a reason for saying no, and you need to trust him and say, thank you, Jesus, anyhow. Glory. So, <clears throat> no matter what the devil tries to dangle before my eyes, to try to get me away from the will of God. I say, devil, tonight I want you to know I'm never going to give in. Just like our Savior didn't give in in the wilderness, I'm not giving in to you now. Now, I'm talking about three things that I will never give. I've talked about giving up and giving in. There's one more area that I want to talk about this evening, that I stand and tell the devil, the third thing, I will never give out. I will never give out. Now, we don't talk this way as much today, but my father from a different time and a different era. He was born in 1901. And um, our young youth today, they don't know what it is to be through a time where there's no such thing as a cell phone. I remember when you was out traveling and you you drove and you, you, you slowed down close to filling stations and stores to find a, uh, a phone booth and you pulled out somebody was talking the other day about do you remember when it cost you a quarter I remember when you dropped a dime in there I remember when daddies used to make sure that their daughters always had a dime so you keep that you go out on a date with that guy and things don't go too well you got a dime to drop in that phone to call daddy and daddy come get you. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, so, but my dad, he remembers when the first airplane flew over the field. 
where they lived. Amen. He remembers when nobody in the neighborhood or community had a TV. They were like the Waltons. They all gathered around the old radio at night. See, my dad remembers stuff like that. He was born in 1901. And so being in that era that he came from, his terminology was a little bit different. And it goes along with what I'm talking about right here. He would come in in his overhauls and walk in the house and take the handkerchief and lob across his forehead. And he would look at mom and say, man, I sure am give out. I sure am give out. In other words, he was saying that he was tarred and exhausted. He had worked hard and long all day long. So I'm telling the devil tonight that I will never give out. And I want to take you to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. For he says, let us not be weary in well-doing. Hallelujah. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season. <coughs> Hallelujah. We started out talking about reaping, and we ended tonight talking about reaping. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. If everything else fails in Satan's bag of tricks, if he can't give you, get you to um, give up, if he can't get you to give in, he will begin to wear you out spiritually. Come on, somebody. Listen to what I'm saying tonight. He will overload your mind with worry, guilt, or any other kind of pressure he can come up with to tire and exhaust you mentally, spiritually, and physically. He works in all areas. I'm going to tell you something. One of the hard, it's bad to be tired physically. But I'm going to tell you something. When you are mentally exhausted, it's terrible. Amen. I mean, I've been so mentally exhausted at times. Somebody asked me what two and two is, and I'd say 22. <laughs> that might be exaggerating a little bit. But I told a guy I could prove to him on paper that two and two is 22. You can't do it. I said, give me a piece of paper. And I wrote one, two, and another two right beside it. I looked at it. I said, now, if that ain't two and two, I'll eat this paper. If that ain't 22. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. The devil will try to get you to give out, to make you weary in the good things you're doing in the kingdom of God. He will bring pressure on you. He will try to overload your mind with all of these things. He will work on you through your job. Should I say this or not? Hallelujah. He will work on you through your husband or your wife. Come on. 
He'll work on you through your children. There are so many ways that the devil can wear you out mentally. It's unbelievable. Trying to get you to be weary and well-doing. <clears throat> but we got, as we said in the beginning, to keep on going. We've got to keep on pushing. We've got to keep on struggling. Remember, the devil is cunning and sly indeed. But I serve notice to Satan, I won't get so weary that I can't go on. The, how in the world can you say that, Brother Sammy? Well, I've already been, a few been through a few things in my life. As the little boy said, I mean, this is not my first rodeo. Hallelujah. I've been up a few against a few things. I know what mental exhaustion is. I know what physical exhaustion is. I know what spiritual exhaustion is. And I didn't uh, give out then, and I'm not going to give out today, devil. How can you say that, Brother Sammy? Because when I'm weary, when I get weary, when I begin to get wore out, I claim that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. Come on, that ought to make you rejoice tonight. Hallelujah. When the devil begins pressing on your mind, he begins to press in your spirit, dumping all this crap on you. Hallelujah. Just begin to say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He will give you the strength to keep going. He will help you not to give out. Hallelujah. <coughs> the last scripture I want to read has to do and you got to look at this and understand the spirituality of this but see when the devil tries to wear you out and by the way in the book of Daniel he talks about the, the time when the Antichrist will come and he says about the Antichrist that he will Wear out the saints of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Right in line with what I'm preaching about here tonight. He will do everything to wear you out so you will give out. But the whole key to that is, and listen to this close, because this goes along with what was said a lot today. And I want to remind you before I read that scripture that if what we receive when we come to the house of God and our worship and all of those things, if we don't take what God gives us on the outside of this building and apply it to our daily lives, then it don't mean nothing. I don't care how good a service we have. It's been a while since we had one of the services where I didn't have a chance to preach. Uh, they're good when they come. Uh, God don't uh, send them real often because God knows that we got to have the word too. Hallelujah. Shouting has got his place, but the word of God is what you get fed on. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's all the struggles I've been through in my life, it's never been the shout that's got me through it. It's been the word of God that has been planted in my heart. Amen. That's what puts me through those things. Hallelujah. But when the devil tries 
to wear you out. He does so to keep you from being productive and producing in the kingdom of God. He has commanded all of us to go out and to make disciples. Not just preachers, but he spoke that word to the whole church, to every one of them. Go ye into all the world and make the disciples of every creature. Hallelujah. That is producing. Amen. That is uh, uh, procreation. And the devil will try to wear you out to keep you from doing that. I want to give you an example. And I know you know this story here. But I found out that a lot of people overlook the reasoning behind this scripture. Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. I have found out that many people uh, didn't know the real reason behind what happened. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Notice, first of all, the concern was is that the Israelites were beginning to outnumber the Egyptians after 400 years of service. God had blessed them. There was only 70 people that came into Egypt when they finally left a small estimate of, of, um, the, uh, that some scholars said it was at least 2 million who came out. And some think that there was more than that. But it's unbelievable how the Jews, I mean, they were like, <laughs> we're, we're ducks here, I mean, they were like rabbits. I mean, man, they were, you know, they were growing. Now, they were concerned about this, so this is what he said. Come, let us deal shrewdly, notice the word shrewdly, with them. Lest they, what? The whole concern of Pharaoh was to keep the Jews from multiplying. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pathan and Ramses. Hallelujah. Amen. These cities that they built, amen, for Pharaoh. Now, we know the story of this happening. And they put over them the taskmakers, master. And if you go on down a little bit further, you'll find out he used, he said that faith, the Egyptians and Pharaoh made the Israelites serve and work with rigor. And the whole reasoning behind this was how many there was. They were growing and they and they was concerned that they were soon to outnumber the Egyptians. The thought behind Pharaoh and his court 
that if they can burden the Israelites and weigh them down and work them so hard and wear them out physically and mentally that when they finally did to go home at night and go to bed, the only thing that would be going on was sleeping. I'm telling you that they were trying to stop them from reproducing. And if you look at that, you'll say, that does make sense. Hallelujah. Amen. That is what their enemy was trying to do. Now you stop and think. Do you think the devil wants to see the church grow? You think the devil wants to see new people come in, go to the altar, repent, step into baptismal waters, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost? The devil don't want to see that. The only way that can happen if the body in the church is active in helping reproducing of the kingdom. As brother, if you'll remember, as Brother Flannery said when he was here in this last revival, I'm, he, he made one statement. He said, how in the world can we have a revival and baptize 25 new people if you hadn't brought 25 sinners into the building? Think about that. It is the church's responsibility to help see things grow and reproduce. Hallelujah. The body of the church should be active, doing the best they can do to try to get somebody in the house of God to hear the word of God preached so they can make their way down to an altar and give their life to God. And he will wear you out <laughs> so you won't have no strength to be able to do so. He will wear you out. He will get you to give out. So tonight, in winding up my message, I stand on record letting the devil know that although I believe in giving, and I, I think we should sow because it's a part of the, the purchase and the plan of God. But I want the devil to know there are three things that I'm never going to give. And I believe that you ought to have the same kind of fortitude about you. Amen. The same kind of desire that you will say to the devil. Amen. There are three things, devil, I'm not going to never give. I will never give up. I will never give in, and I will never give out. If you agree with that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise as I make my way to the keyboard.